Hello, everyone. Okay, hello. <laughs> oh, okay. You're doing the intro. I thought you said I was doing the intro. Uh, hello. Uh, welcome back. It's been a while since you and I have gotten together for a proper one of these. Uh, but we did log down what the next thing we had to talk about was, which was putting out fires in the workplace. And I'm sure we have very different experiences with this, whether it be uh, because you do a lot of project management. So, and, and we're not talking about putting out actual fires. <laughs> it's problems that happen when you're dealing with collaborative projects, when you're dealing with the workplace animation related stuff. So that's the theme. The day-to-day -day problems that appear every day when everything should be fine. You have a system. It works. Everyone knows the system, but then something will always go wrong because, of course, it will. In my case, most of the fires are just... You can, you can almost anticipate them, actually, because most of the fires are related to collaborations. Some of them paid, some of them not paid. So you always expect things like people not delivering on time. That's very common. That happens all the time. Um, people kind of disappearing and not hearing back from them. That's another one that happens. <laughs> That's interesting. It's on quite a different level uh, to, to what I'm used to because this is about keeping people there. Uh, in a studio environment, that's not really a problem because, you know, they're, they're contracted to be there. So what are the problems? So what problems are, are going to happen in the studio then? If, when people, you know they're going to be there, you know they're there to do the work. What kind of fires are you going to come across at the studio? They're a lot more varied, and I wish I'd written down a, a list of them to just rattle through real quickly. Uh, but things from very uh, meta stuff, uh, like problems with s scripts that appear last minute, uh, like maybe everyone thought, oh, this, this will be okay. And then at the last minute, the broadcaster comes back and says, whoa, hold on, that's oh. not appropriate. And you're like, well, six months ago, it was fine. We've already animated it now. And you have to do it again. Wow. Uh, to general uh, software issues, uh, you know, servers going down, or that's causing every single person's computer to beach ball for half an hour a day, putting everything crazy far behind in retrospect. Um, to any other kind of weird glitch uh, across the pipeline or anything else. Uh, uh, the amount of spreadsheets that some teams end up creating just on their own in order to help deal with their own little problems uh, tends to be a lot. That's fine, of course, but it may not trickle down through other departments. And then now, now you can't communicate as well because you don't know where they're up to, stuff like that. I find the the, the fire related to... Department says one thing, or, you know, lead says one thing, and then you do it, and then when it's done, and months later, the producer says, wait a minute, no, we can't do that, and then you have to change everything. What, <laughs> what do you have any, I guess, examples of that, or more concrete? That one's not uh, too intense, really? because it's pretty much just the same as any other yeah. retake. Like, if it's saying that's your own mistake or it's not, either way, you're still doing it again, except the fault isn't on you, so it's probably a little bit easier to stomach the criticism if it's a big change that's going to take a day or two. But, you know, you sort of just carry on with it. So a specific example would be a character that uh, would get nude, and we're like, I'm not sure if oh. this will get through, but no one's flagged it. So, like, there was one time where we actually preempted it. That would probably happen. <laughs> yeah. So it did both versions oh. at the start. So then when they said, well, hang on. And we're like, oh, okay. Well, that's interesting. One. So you knew just to have both prepared. That That's different. I guess having to, I haven't really thought of 
spending the time to make two versions. I, I mean, for something like that, it's pretty simple if it's on a rig. The head of animation on that one had enough experience to just sort of <laughs> preemptively think, yeah, this this will probably but you But you still try to put through the original idea anyway, just to see if it will go, but having the backup prepared. It's what was in the script, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, maybe it would have been easier to just go the other way. But uh, the original version was funnier. Well, exactly. So of That's course what we'd want to have that if we could. Yes, right. Uh, also, uh, when it comes <laughs> to selling it to multiple countries, oh, yeah. you never really know how different uh, cultures and things will react to something. Uh, it's actually really, really difficult to have something that is completely safe for absolutely everybody across the board. Well, right. I mean, when you're, it, and it depends on your production too, right? So if you're a smaller production meant for just the local audience in, in that particular country, then the problems are different. But if you are a big production meant to air in multiple countries, like for example, if you're going to air on Nickelodeon or Disney Channel, they have distribution networks that send that content around the world, then there's a lot of interesting problems. And I feel like most of those fires that come up are just something that get dealt with in the editing stage. So I'm not so sure that animators would really see that too much. Like most of the time they just cut whole episodes or scenes completely. Yeah, they're really big ones. So I don't have much authority on talking about yeah, okay. how it should be handled or how it is handled mm. really. Uh, I, I, my last position was a very putting out fires sort of job. Uh, oh. But it was very, very small scale stuff being like, oh, this finger isn't colored in all the way. You know how like the paint bucket sometimes like leaves little like cornered vectored mm -hmm. gaps in things. It, it was just doing that for hours and hours at a time. So you would never really see the result of any of my contributions, but it was just finding weird stuff that happened and putting a fix to it before it became a bigger problem later down the line. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, yeah, what about, uh, uh, I guess, maybe something unexpected? Because, like, stuff of editing and fixing mistakes is common things that happen, but I don't know, example where maybe something unexpected happened and then everybody was like, oh, now we need to do this. Of course, it's always pretty normal. Uh, well, I guess what you're getting at is when that happens at the 11th hour. Okay, yeah, that too. <laughs> the the deadline is absolutely today, and then something horrible like that oh. happens, uh, whether it be a scene thing, but it's usually a technical issue of some kind. Like a uh, like server, server going, going down. down. Yes, yeah, I've had that problem before, um, which is why you usually try to get things done before they're due, because mm -hmm. inevitably, you know, if you wait till the last minute, you'll go to upload the video and the, well, out here, the internet could be down or just any number of problems like, oh, wait, the export didn't export correctly and there's a glitch in it and I need another eight hours to export it again, but I don't have the eight hours type of thing. The export is one. Something that will affect the animators more is something that happens to a mass used asset. Mm. So if it turns out that there's a prop in the background that either needs to be there or isn't there, uh, making that correction is one thing. Now you've got to go through, put it in. A yeah, that, that was another thing is if you have to update even a background across every single shot, that's 
a lot. <laughs> One that would affect me a lot was broken character rigs that had been getting used for episodes and episodes. Oh. And every time they appeared on screen, they had a little wacky doodad that for some reason wasn't picked up at the beginning. Uh, so now that had to be repaired for every shot up until now. But also, even though it would get fixed in the master again used from now on, there was still another four or five episodes on the way where it was too late. <laughs> oh, no. So then you... That's funny because then you know coming down the line, well, they were still using that version of the rig in that episode. So I know when I get that one, I'm going to have to deal with this problem again. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so that would get written down and prepared to be... Yeah you know, accepted part of your life for the next couple of weeks. But it is a very claw-to-the-face kind of job because it feels so preventable. Well, Because you know that every time you're fixing it, in each individual shot is how long it would have taken to fix the master. Right, because if the master had been correct, then it wouldn't have been... Then none of that to begin with. would have needed to happen. But that's just not how it goes. Like, I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty, right? So... <laughs> well, I think it reinstates that if you're doing a rig-based production, take some time to do extensive testing on it first. Yeah, that's, I mean, even here, just building a rig for myself that I'm going to use a bunch, I know to do that. And I mean, you end up updating the rig anyway, but the problem is if you don't test it, then like in some programs you can't add new layers without messing everything up so you really want to make sure you have it down i think the other would be a version of the episode three rule uh which is What's that that is not making episode one first oh yeah that's oh it's yeah weird that, it's rule. weird that that happens a lot that you know, the first episode would be the first one you make, but there's still so much stuff to figure out. But episode one is your pitch to the audience that this show is worth watching. And episode, so do epi yeah. Do episode three or four or some, depending on how long the season is. Uh, <laughs> iron out all the creases there, find your feet, then go do episode one. And I think uh, character rigging should probably be the same thing. Do some B-list characters. Once ah. you sort of figure out the correct, appropriate process for this show, then go do the main characters. Everyone wants to do the main characters first, but then naturally they're going to be riddled with all of the growing pains and all of the teething problems, and they, they linger throughout the whole season. That's actually fantastic. A fantastic, two fantastic pieces of advice. One, to not produce episode one first, which I've heard of from the writer's perspective. You do not, you don't want to write episode one first you start a little bit ahead of that because what inevitably happens, or you can write episode one, but you just do it quickly because what will happen is by the end of that arc, then you know how to write episode one to set it up pro properly. And you have to go through oh, yeah. and add a couple things in. But I haven't really thought about that in terms of the animation process, but you're absolutely right. And uh, that includes doing the background characters or some um, one-off character first to get a feel for how the rigging system will work. But you're right. It's always so tempting because the main characters are the most important and episode one is the most important that that ends up being what you do first. But the problem is then you have knowledge by the end of that, that you could have used to make episode one even better. <laughs> uh, I might've mentioned it before, but uh, my favorite book uh, it's Masters of Doom. It's just the it's just the story of the two guys who made Doom. The I've never one. heard. Yeah, I've never you've never talked about that before. Ah, oh, so good. Uh, there's, there's so much stuff to learn just about like the 
because it's just like the rise and fall of not not just the the company that made it, but like uh, the personality and the the success of of the guys behind it, like their creative flow with one another, sort of sort of getting that hit, and then what happens afterwards, and it's it's relatable in a lot of strange ways, uh, particularly in this case, it's the first level was designed last uh, because Ooh. by that point uh, you, you're really good at making levels, so. By making the first one, he, he the designer knew exactly how to introduce the player to that world and its mechanics and how to play it in a way that wouldn't be overwhelming, uh, and 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 it would be interesting. That's is what's the title of that book? It's called Masters of Doom. Okay, that sounds like a good case study or a, like background reading type of thing to look into. Yeah, I like and I was in a bit of a different industry, but like it's it still counts because you know for most of us we're still working on our own personal stuff yeah and hoping that it will go somewhere someday and be like oh will it, will it ever happen and <laughs> it's, it's a cool story of of that actually happening i know it's a bit of an exaggerated one because they made you know a mega hit like the biggest of the decade in a new medium but whatever it's a fun ride it, yeah it is a bit of an outlier but the the case is or seems to be that that happens more and more often now with all of the like technology that is readily available to just anybody it's i see a lot of indie hits indie hits there's more right? people doing it though there's just as many people who <laughs> don't succeed have uh, we well, done an episode on that yet like the a what failing well not failing but like the 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 like big dream aspirations and then just not making it because you know you hear uh... a lot of inspiring stories from successful YouTubers and celebrities and things being like, just believe in yourself. As long as you don't give up, you'll make it one day. But it's like, okay, well, that's coming from someone who did make it. We, we never hear from the advice of someone who gave it their role and crashed and burned because they never got a voice. Um, That's, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, maybe those stories are being told, but the problem is always that they're harder to find because the person doesn't have that reach, right? So... Yeah. I mean, I've made videos about failures before, and it's a common theme, but I don't think we've talked about our... Eh, maybe we have throughout scattered throughout episodes. We've talked about our personal aspirations, and we've also talked about wanting to do things and not doing them. Yeah, yeah. So, we have mentioned that before. You're not, you're not guaranteed success if you don't give up. I mean, you're not guaranteed success if you keep working on something that's a failure, either. So... <laughs> yeah, it's true. Cutting your losses, sunk, sunk cost fallacy. I'm very uh, pragmatic, so I think it's important to always be trying new things and to not stick to something too long if it's not really gaining any traction. You have to know when to move on. But anyway, we've talked about that before. So, what... uh, but you got to finish stuff. Have we talked about finishing stuff? Yes. <laughs> yeah, we've talked about that. Let's talk more about fires. We got to talk more about fires. So, oh yeah, fires. Yeah, <laughs> because um, we covered a little bit of your side of like the studio type of things, but we haven't really talked about uh, collaboration related stuff. Mm, go for it. Which would be, I mean, the big one is mostly you're trying to organize a project. They've got a lot of people involved and then they just don't show up. So the problem here is if you are inexperienced and don't anticipate that happening, you get to the deadline date and you're missing four or five pieces 
of the thing or you don't you're five minutes short worth of content if you're trying to like mass collect content and then you're in a bad spot because you have to tell all of your audience well actually we can't release it at that date because it's not done and then you're scrambling at the last minute to find replacement people and then those replacement people are under pressure to get it done very quickly so it's probably it's definitely not their best work and then they feel bad about it blah blah, blah. so you get this whole mess um but if you anticipate that that will happen, then you actually set a deadline that is earlier than you plan to release. So then when those people fail to meet the, the, the requirements that you set, you have time to go find replacements, and then those replacements have time to create content. Okay, so it's not trying to make more scenes than necessary. It's just having a, an expanded deadline. Right. So I'm actually trying a new strategy now, which is to make more things than necessary. So, okay. yeah, so this strategy, it's a little risky because if everybody were to complete their stuff, you would actually have too much stuff. But there's ways to, to include that in. Have a deleted scenes section. Yeah, yeah. So there's ways to include the stuff in. But um, the other thing you could do is cut your own contribution out and then focus your time on editing and then maybe doing a title screen or something like that if you end up if for some under some miraculous circumstance all 70 participants finish the thing on time i i have to stress i'm expecting probably eight or ten people to not do it to not make the deadline so it would be a bit of a miracle to have everybody <laughs> finish at the right time if you prepare more than necessary how do you make sure that you're not doubling up on anything by mistake or you're not oh because oh, you're thinking on a shot by shot basis are you yeah okay so this particular project is a little bit different nobody has any specific shot it just has to be the right length of time right yeah so then you can have multiple contributions as long as the right length of time so if you have extra then when the people who drop out don't show up you already have stuff to replace them what about when reviewing uh the contributors work have you ever come across anything where you're like okay well this we got to fix this and there's no time i'll just do it oh um yes okay so but not in the way you would expect in a studio setting typically in a studio you would think like oh you have to fix that character rig or you know that prop isn't in the right place or something like that when you're doing a collaboration the problem is more going to be with the file format and maybe a few frames are missing. So what you have to do as the editor is lengthen in some certain kind of sneaky areas the frame by one to try and fill out those couple of dropped frames missing. And then with the file format stuff, sometimes you have to re-encode things so that they actually read properly into your editor. Okay. Because uh, that would happen quite a bit on this end. Uh, animators would end up working on each other's stuff to fix each other's mistakes because of how much time may be left. Uh, if, if someone is completely overwhelmed, they don't have time to go back and do their own fixes. Someone else can pick up the slack. Uh, particularly for leads, they've got to handle this kind of stuff quite a lot, is the sort of notes where, well, it'll be quicker if I just did it myself than to even to explain it to someone else would take longer. So I'll just do it now. Of course, that can build up though and you end up doing like, uh, yeah, you know, th 30 tiny, tiny little things. Uh, but a lot of time you need to keep your animators animating. And it's more important that they can focus on take ones of things rather than making tons and tons of little fixes. Uh, and then the lead handles all of that. The problem with that, though, is 
uh, still communicating that those mistakes still happened. Uh, if oh. an animator is left in ignorant bliss because their lead is handling all of their errors, then they don't know to stop making those mistakes and they can continue <laughs> to happen. That's uh interesting little side note. We had that happen on, on Animoot too, where I had been fixing the title cards for all the videos, but I never told you that I was doing that. So you didn't realize and you kept submitting videos with the old title card <laughs> because I just thought, oh, it's easier for me to just fix it. Just do it, done. And I never told you. So you lesson learned there. You with that indefinitely. Or I would have stumbled across <laughs> that that is a problem in like episode 40 or something and been very, very embarrassed. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but uh, so I'm learning a little bit about, I guess, being a lead from you and that type of stuff. Because normally I just i'm in a situation where i fix it and don't need to communicate that i did to whoever or whatever i fixed because it's just like a technical issue and they're only working on it the one time so i'm not going to see them back again yeah good point so how does a collaborative project like what we're doing here differ from your group projects well i mean i mean in here the two of us are always working together so that's the big difference a lot of the projects i do um, you're probably working that with that person maybe once or twice a year, and that's it. Like that will be your one little blip of communication between each other. And sometimes you get to know someone else really well, and you work together a lot more. And then you that's when you start swapping notes on things. But other than that, it's kind of a one and done situation where you don't really talk to that person after the project is done. Okay, so uh, for example, just yesterday. Uh, we rebuilt our pipeline structure for how we handle these episodes because at least I know I'd started to lose track of where we were at and which ones were finished editing, etc. cetera. Uh, how does that differ from the projects that you're on? Oh, so, I mean, I for Animoot, we use a spreadsheet. For all of my collaborations, we use a spreadsheet. And from what I've heard from you, you use spreadsheets too, right? Oh, they're, yeah, they're the best. You have the whole life cycle of an episode in there. Uh, but everywhere does it differently. There's great big softwares that handle entire productions, but I still think a spreadsheet is the, the cleanest and the easiest way. The only real uh, scary thing about a spreadsheet is that anyone can edit it. Ooh, so if someone goes yeah. in and accidentally deletes a whole bunch of cells and then that updates on the cloud, say, like, oh, right. <laughs> I mean, you could probably undo it or you have backups or something so it's not a huge issue but you have to notice it that's the other thing is you have to notice that there that happened if it's something small you might not yeah you have to notice it um but you know if you train everyone to use it right i think they're a really nice balance uh because you don't want people spending too much time making sure that all of the databases are up to date yeah if you got a if you got to alert a whole bunch of people individually and change a whole bunch of statuses individually, you know, like say for example, if you're doing 30 small changes on 30 different shots, you know, you're only going to be spending about 30 to 60 seconds in each one. Cause it's like, Oh, it turns out this element's the wrong color. Go in and change it every time. So, oh, okay. You know, mm-hmm. put some headphones on and just get it done. Uh, but where that stuff's to eat time isn't so much in, making the change itself it can be things from like waiting for files to open and close builds up on time and what really builds up on time is having to go back into the spreadsheets and the databases and update it for each one Uh, because depending on how your system is set up you may not be able to do that in batch 
uh, or at least oh yeah, you have to mention it in several different places in several different ways, so that will automatically get bumped to the next person in the pipeline. So that's another reason why I've gravitated towards very simple spreadsheets because you're only going to do it once. You can get a really... There's always a temptation to have more data than you need. Like, it's fun, at least for me. I like to collect and organize things. So, I, you know, I, my spreadsheets could be infinitely long with tiny little notes about every little thing in different columns, da-da-da. But like you said, then you have to go through and update everything. And the whole point of the spreadsheet is to avoid fires and to be quick and easy to check and see where things are. So you just have to watch on not including too much data. It's pretty much just down to what needs to get done, who needs to do it, and when do they need to get done by, and when can yeah. you tell it's done. So. And then the the nice thing about regular spreadsheets is, is it's like having a regular notebook. So, uh, f- what's an example? Okay, for a time I was really tempted by like those Galaxy Note phones, you know, ones with the pens in it. I was like, oh, that'd, that'd be nice. I'd get to like draw on my phone like on the train or whatever. Okay, but then I was like, okay, I don't need a thousand dollar phone. <laughs> I know, I'll just carry a sketchbook around with me wherever I go for a couple of weeks. Uh, And that just changed my life. It was so good. And now, you know, for a few years now, I've just carried a a sketchbook around with me wherever instead, Uh, which has proven to be more versatile because as nice as apps are, most of the time they're incredibly restrictive because, you know, their productivity, productivity system is based around their system. And you sort of just got to work with what they have. And if you want to customize it to your own thing, mm-hmm. you got to spend a lot of time customizing it. But a regular notepad is just paper. You can draw whatever you want onto that and make it any shape and make it do anything. And a spreadsheet is the same deal, only with it's with boxes. So you can, you can build any kind of database with it. Yeah. Well, I guess that uh, kind of covers what we have to talk about fires. And then we ended up talking about the pl- managing stuff, Wait, which is related. No, I can wrap what? it all together. What? <laughs> okay, wrap it up. Because the best, because the best way to manage the the fires that happen every day is is to have a book and throw it on paper. That's the thing that solves all of it. Because if it's all got to get written in a computer and the computer's not working, or if you got to, because when an app is closed, it becomes invisible and you don't know how to look there anymore. Uh, but some of the best like day to day managers uh, seem to always just have their paper book on them all the time. Oh, and you know. Th- Three pages will get filled in and crossed off every day just with the moment-to-moment things that happen. You know, maybe a task appears and then is completed in less than a 10-minute life cycle, but it still gets written down immediately because that only 10-minute task may appear. But even within that 10-minute window, there's room for another bigger, more urgent problem to happen. And so now now that other one's going to get forgotten unless it's written down. I remember being about five or six layers deep in that scenario (laughs) where it was 15 to 30 minute tasks. But before each one could get finished, a new, more urgent one would appear. Someone would call across from the room being like, hey, this other thing's going wrong. Can you handle this? (laughs) By the way, it's more important than that other thing. And this happened about six times in a row. Um, and I was like, okay. And I, you know, was writing it all down as it happened. And I read out the list to the, um, to the directors being like, okay, this is everything that's happening right now. That's got to be done like by lunchtime, which was, which they laughed. It was pretty funny. Um, because it was this, 
you know, like tree <laughs> yes. of more intense things where it's like, okay, I've been given it in this order and I'm going to have to work through it. Backwards. Sort of backwards. Yeah. <laughs> but the only way to keep hold of that was with a, a paper notebook. The, like my short-term memory is shocking. I, I'm one of those people that loses my keys every single day. <laughs> this thing is a piece wow. of my brain. One time I lost it at the supermarket and that was terrifying. Like I like I left it in the checkout bay, oh. and I and I went back every day to the supermarket for a week, being like, "Okay, you probably don't, but have you seen this book?" And they would always check the same drawer and be like, "No, no. If, if it's been more than forty eight hours, you know, it's probably just lost." I'm like, "Oh, okay, bummer." Um, but a week later, I was like, "Okay, I'll ask. I'll ask just one more time, and then I'll let it go." And this person was like, "Oh, okay," and she goes to check. A different room. I'm like, oh, that's weird. And then she comes back holding the book. I'm like, what the <laughs> <Yep>. heck? <laughs> Where did you find that? And she's like, yeah, it's been sitting on top of this pile for a whole week now. I'm like, it was in the room the whole time. <laughs> it got found immediately and all the other employees just didn't bother to check in that spot. And she's like, yeah, basically. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah. So I got my book back. I was very happy. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. Thereby avoiding more more problems. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's the downside of those things is that they, they don't have backups. Yeah, they're physical. It's a physical thing. But it's, again, meant for, like, quick kind of temporary day-to-day stuff. So Oh, yeah, they've got a great be... refresh rate. Yeah, stuff should cause... be wrapped up by the end of the day if it's written down. Well, I just mean, like, in writing it down, you don't – it's never going to freeze on you. Right. <laughs> Nothing worse than writing down a note and then having the computer lag a little bit. And by the time it's finished lagging, you forgot what you're supposed to Oh, gosh. To. Yeah, I've had that happen before. Fortunately, I don't have to deal too much with uh, like cloud servers. So that's not a huge problem here. The worst is when it just happens regularly enough to tear you out of any kind of creative flow. I'm sure I've mentioned before <sighs> the, the time where whenever that would happen, animators would instead make little animations and gifs of people yelling at the spinning beach ball yes. or in some way the spinning beach ball being ruining people's lives so there must be like a decent archive of those now and i wonder if you could like how much animation was spent on those how much of the budget moments? and here if you look at our graph is how much of the budget was spent on animating the spinning uh loading icon out of frustration I hope it's never calculated <laughs> yeah, we don't want to know but like in a way that's that's like okay well this is how much repairing the servers would be worth oh well yeah a per second animation value to it but no it was just a dumb meme anyway all right well uh i don't know what we're going to talk about next week so it'll be another surprise topic so thanks for listening this is animoot i'm crown and i'm not thanks for coming everyone Bye-bye. <laughs>